Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I bring you a dynamic guest. And today, our guest is Anne-Marie Kelly. Anne-Marie, she's a leadership expert, woman in success, skill builder systems, and the Victorious Woman Project. She's an author, speaker, and radio talk show host. Anne-Marie Kelly has first-hand knowledge of the transformative power of inspiration, determination, and motivation. After years as a shy and introverted girl and young woman, Anne-Marie unlocked the power within that enabled her to be more, to be more, do more, and have more of the kind of life that on her old course would only have been a dream. For the past 20 years, and with energy, empathy, and a yes-you-can-do-it attitude, Anne-Marie has helped women find inspiration and direction and build skills so that they can shape their challenges into new beginnings and fabulous victories. She is the owner of Skill Builder Systems, founder of the Victorious Woman Project, and its annual fundraiser, the Girlfriend Gala, and the author of three books, Victorious Women, Shaping Lives, Challenges into Personal Victories, 2005, and Victory by Design, 2008. Anne-Marie is a recipient of the President's Call to Service Award by President Barack Obama, the International Women's Day Outstanding Service Award, and the ASTD PHL Leadership Award, and she is a Literacy Hero nominee. She just celebrated her first anniversary as host of the Friday Happy Hour, which airs on WCHE 1520 AM in the Westchester, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia area. Through her workshops, webinars, coaching calls, and her radio shows, she helps women get inspired, empowered, and build the skills they need who want to be more of who they really are, do more that satisfies their soul so that they can have more of the life that makes them happy and fulfilled. Welcome, Anne-Marie. I'm so happy to have you on my show. Well, I'm glad to be here, Robbie. Thank you. You've written two books, Victorious Woman and Victory by Design. They both focus on victory. When you talk about victory, what does that mean? When I, when I talk about victories, I, it's that stretch. You know how we like to be in our comfort zones? And, you, you know, and we tend to be really comfortable doing that. But you can't get from where you are to where you want to be if you stay in your comfort zone. So victory is that stretch that you make out of your comfort zone to get from this place where you are to the person, to the place in the person that you want to be. What uh, what made you decide to write these books? Well, I think from my own personal experience, I I understood. I I understood how important it was, but it was a particular situation. I right after nine eleven, I got this idea. Excuse me, that you know everything kind of dried up after nine eleven. A lot of business dried up and stuff, and so I was praying and I said, you know, Lord, please just tell me, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And you know, a lot of times we say that, and I got I had this dream and I woke up with it one morning, and before I was even out of bed, I said. Well, that's not what I do. I, you know, I do corporate training and development, and so that was the end. So that was the end. The very next month, I had the exact same dream, and that month, I actually thought about it 
from the time I got out of bed till I got to the bathroom. And then I thought, yeah, but that's not what I do. And I thought, you know, that's so typical. We just, we ask and we say, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then you get a message. It's like, no, no, wait, I, I didn't mean exactly that. And so I didn't do anything. You know, I, I just kept it. I just kept praying, Lord, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then I had a, a, a GYN problem. And, you know, was, I bled for, you know, a long time, a month or, you know, it was over a month. And I kept, and I went to the gynecologist and he kept ruling things out. And it was, you know, he was ruling out STDs and, you know, whatever else he was ruling out until he ruled out everything except the big one. So I, I was waiting to hear and I, and I was sitting in my family room and I thought, you know, if this is what it is, and, and I have to tell you that that idea that I've been getting uh, was exactly this, to write this book. I had the name, I had the concept, everything came to me, and I just kept pushing it away. And then that day, that in January, when I sat in my family room and thought, I don't know if this, uh, you know, if this is ovarian, I just don't think I, I want to do it, and, and you know, and maybe I'll just, maybe I just won't take treatment and just leave. And so I sat and I had a little pity party for myself for a little bit, and then and then that other part of me came back and said, no, wait, wait, surely there have been other women who have gone through this and have beaten it. I just have to find them. And then, Robbie, all of a sudden, it was so funny. It was as though I heard the universe being hysterical laughing and saying, see, we tried to tell you nice a couple of times, and you weren't listening. So so we had to do, give you the two-by-four between the eyes. And, you know, from that moment... It, it, that it, that in January, when I had that realization, my particular problem cleared up within two weeks, and I did my very first interview six weeks later. Wow! Yeah, it's it was funny. Really, it, was, it made you step out of your comfort zone as well. Absolutely, and you know, and I wanted to know. Well, if. You know, I had I had a rough background. Um, you know, I was I had, there was abuse in my childhood. My father was alcoholic, and so, you know, all that kind of stuff was was there. And I was really a shy. You know, I I really was. It was hard for it's hard it's hard for people to believe it now. I know one man who says, "Yeah, I used to know Anne Marie when she didn't talk," and it's hard for anybody who knows me now to believe there was a time, but it was, and for a long time. But this this whole thing with the cancer scare really just. Yeah, it really made me think. It really made me, you know, reevaluate a lot of things. But but the funniest thing to me afterwards was I just kept getting the message, and I kept ignoring it. And I think that right. happens to us a lot of times. I do. It's, to you, is victory the same as a goal? It, it isn't. And, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. I interviewed a lot, a lot of women for um, my first book, Victorious Woman, and that's when I realized that victories and goals weren't the same thing because, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I interviewed a lot of women who were successful and had achieved a lot of goals, but I couldn't see the victory. And and the thing is that a goal a, a goal is something that has a beginning and an end. It, you know, it, it has a start date and, and, um, and then, you know, you say, well, I'm going to do this, and then you give it an end date. And, of course, a good goal has an end date. So that part was good as a goal. And generally when you set a goal, you say okay, here it is, uh and then you achieve it and then it's done. You're enjoying whatever that is you did, but you're moving on. 
you usually now with victory it's a little different. You, you need usually you need to have a victory to achieve a goal, but but not always. And that's what I was saying a couple of seconds ago. But but the thing with victory is it's that as I said earlier, it's that stretch that you make out of your comfort zone. And here's the cool thing about it: it's like victory is like a muscle, and you know. Um, it's like, you know, when you start an exercise program at the beginning, it's a little hard to start building. You know, you're sore. You start, you have an exercise for a while, and your arms get sore, your legs or whatever. But, you know, but then you start to, to build that muscle. Well, that's how victory is. And, and the cool thing is that once you stretch yourself, you know, and you build that victory muscle, you can't go back. Your vic- goals come and go. You celebrate and you move on. But once you make that victory stretch, it's you cannot stretch yourself. You're stretched once you know once you've done that. You've done the hard thing. You've you've challenged yourself. You've done the thing you maybe you thought you couldn't do. Your victory stretch changes you and makes you a you know a better, fuller, richer kind of a person. And here's the thing. While goals come and go, victory lasts forever. And when I think about that, Robbie, I think you know, goals are a part of this lifetime, but if if you believe that there's a continuum, and I do, I believe that my goals are of this lifetime, but my victories can stretch through many lifetimes. So, you know, I think that's, you know, once you've got that victory muscle, you're good to go. Oh, that's good. Why is that so important, especially for women in midlife? Well, you know, probably I think a lot of women uh, in midlife are experiencing a lot of change. You know, sometimes it's a um, sometimes it's a divorce or an empty nest, um, or, or they, they get they have an illness or they lose a job or something else. And so many women say, "Well, you know, like I feel stuck." I'm, and a, a lot of women, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, have lived so much of their lives settling for what they could, could get instead of going after what they want that sometimes they don't even remember what it is that they do want. And then, you know, that goes back to that same thing about that comfort zone. Even if they do know what they want, then, you know, they're they're comfortable in that settling stage. So it's, you know, it's not not easy to step out. But as I said, once you start flexing that victory muscle, then uh, you get stronger and you get more comfortable with making those stretches. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You've had your own midlife experiences with changes and victories, haven't you? Well, you know, I have, and the and the big one was just a couple. And you know, I've known each other for a while, so I know you 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 probably remember this. That you know, when I started my vic, my my business, and even after I wrote Victorious Woman, I you know I expected to have to work hard. You know, you start a new business, you write a book, and you know, you expect that it's going to be hard work. Uh, the, the uphill challenge was not a surprise to me, but then a couple of years ago, um, and now it's you know maybe seven or eight years ago, that my mother started to need help. She was getting older, and and uh, you know I'll bet your your listeners can can identify with this, or many of them at least can identify with it. I have three siblings, but when it came to taking care of my mother, it was like I became an only child. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, and I started, um, so so at the very beginning, I started just leaving work a little bit early, and I de- my mother lived about 45, 50 minutes away, so I would leave work a little early, and then I would take her shopping to the bank, you know, that kind of stuff. But then, you know, that then started to extend, you know, it was when she wanted to go to the do- dollar store, and I'd have to take her to the doctors, and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, well, then... Excuse me. So that couple hours became a half day. Then it was a full day. Then I helped her to move into a a retirement community. And Robbie, I was there so much that I became friends with her. Well, her girlfriends became like aunts to me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in fact, my mother's passed, but I still get together for lunch with them because that's how that's how much I was there and how much uh, you know how friendly I got with them. But here is the thing: when my mother passed, by the time she had so, so much of my work had had. You know, my work had just taken such a back seat that my business had dropped off by about 80%, and I practically ha- had to start over. And this is where I can really identify with some of the women that I talked to, with ma- many of them, that first, when I started back, the technology was such that, you know, with te- the, the social media and all, you know, so much had changed. And I, <clears throat> you know, and I knew it was happening all along, and I was like dipping my toe in, but not doing a whole lot of anything um, with you know Facebook or Twitter or anything. But while, I, but uh, but then I think what happened was, so I knew I had to learn that kind of stuff. But here was the other thing, and this was the psychologically difficult part for me, was that I didn't expect to have to be doing that at that stage of my career. I been in business for a long enough time I had been successful and I just kind of thought I would go back and you know when I started calling people people that I had had relationships with before weren't at their companies anymore and it was just different and and I realized that if I wanted to keep going I was going to have to start practically from scratch. So, you know, the only difference was I did have something of a reputation and I did have, you know, some, some, um, you know, some, some work already behind me, which I didn't have at the very beginning. And, you know, I had some video and pictures and things like that, but, um, and testimonials, which I didn't have at the beginning. But so anyway, I, I just didn't think at that stage of my life that I'd be starting over. And, you know, and that's like a lot of women. They, they, you know, maybe they got a divorce, or maybe you know, so many things happen. They lose their job, and they didn't think they'd be at that place in their lives. But circumstances beyond their control put them there. So, so that's that was a thing. And I think that at that point, the biggest thing I did was to decide to stay in the game. And that's when the victory, for me, the victory stretch just started to happen. Because, you know, I could have gone back to corporate America. I could have, uh, when I, in, in my last regular job, I started a corporate university. You know, when corporate universities were fairly new, I saw a lot of value in, in that particular kind of thing. So I could have gone back in either as a full-time job or as a subcontractor for a larger company and worked in corporate university or done training and development, and that would have been fine for making money. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I think, it's, you know, there's a part of me that knows that that would have been easier. But you know what, Robbie, I wouldn't have been as happy, and I wouldn't have felt as though I was fulfilling my purpose. And so the more I tossed it back and forth, I thought, after years of telling women to find their power and passion and go after it, 
like I don't think I I just couldn't do that. I just couldn't I just couldn't give that up and live in integrity because it would be like turning my back on everything I'd been telling people for you know since Victorious Woman came came out and in a non-professional way for years before that. So after you know some consideration, I made that decision to keep going and you know revive my business. So what did you do to move forward? What were some of the steps you took? Well, the very first thing that I did was was just that I decided. I decided I would stay in the game because, um, you know, I think that I, I think that that's the thing. It's that, well, let me just say this. It was the one thing that I noticed when I was interviewing woman after woman after woman for a victorious woman that the very first thing, the thing that made them turn the corner was that they made a decision to keep moving forward. They weren't, you know, whatever their past had been, they weren't going to let their past determine their future, and whatever that challenge was, they weren't going to let it get to them. And it was a decision. And that was really a big deal that, you know, once I decided, then then it was a matter of putting putting the, the, a plan in place. And, excuse me, and that was one of the things with, uh, that, that's one of the things in Victory by Design that I talk about. It's like, how do you get unstuck? Well, yes, you have to decide. Are you are you going to keep moving forward or are you going to let, you know, whatever had happened in the past make that decision, you know, for you? And then you stay in that easy, comfortable zone. And, you know, sometimes there was a woman when I was when I was teaching school, there was a woman who warned me not to leave the school where I was teaching because she said, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And, you know, and I thought, well, I could stay the way I am and I could not move forward. But then it would be easier, but not, I wouldn't, have, I just wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. So, yeah, you wouldn't, have felt, you wouldn't have felt satisfied of accomplishment. I, you know, I don't think I would have, Robbie. I think that it would have been, uh, you know, I think I would have always wondered, could I, could I have gotten it? Could I have gotten my business back? Could I have gotten even further than I did before? And I think that's what happens to so many women in midlife. They, you know, and they feel frustrated and itchy and angry. Um, I was talking to uh, author that author uh, who wrote Wonder Woman, Marcia Reynolds, and she said, well, you know, women at midlife have a soulful agi- agitation. And I love that terminology, soulful agitation. Yeah. You know, it's neat because... I think for, you know, as hard as a woman has worked in her life, she at midlife she still has that sort of, you know, empty feeling like she missed something. It's, it's, it, not every woman, but, but I think most women who have been taking care of the kids, doing the house, you know, all that kind of stuff, and, they, and they're giving it to everybody else, they're doing for everybody else. And then they get to, them, to this point and they say, is that all there is? Right. And I think that's where that soulful agitation comes in. You know, have you had that experience yourself? No, because I'm keep I keep going. <laughs> I'm like the ever ready yeah, bunny. I never stop. Uh, you, that's no the matter truth, what. Robbie. Yeah, you I, you're an amazement to me. You, and I, you're probably tired of hearing me say that, but I always think that about you because you do. You just keep moving it forward. 
Well, because life is a learning, and I learn all the way. Well, you know, how does a, how would you what kind of tips would you give a woman going through the same difficult change challenge get unstuck? Well, I think that's that's you know that was one of the things that was one of the reasons why I wrote victory, victory excuse me victory by design, and why I do the work I do uh, because I I, I want to help women like your listeners get inspired and feel empowered and. Uh, you know, like get that magic inside of themselves. I, you know, I'm big with when I do the girlfriend gala. I always laugh because I always have a little bit of magic at the end. And this this year it was that that I gave everybody um, seedlings and they and and we did a whole magical thing around the seedlings. And so since then, some of the women who uh, who came to girlfriend gala have told me that the seedlings grew over the summer. And so did their goals, and that's what the magic piece was. You know? Oh, I like that. I love that. Yeah. What kind of seedlings? What were the seedlings uh, for? I mean, what what kind of seedlings were they? Well, I did a whole bunch. I went to uh, it was Home Depot that gave them to that gave them to me. They were so good, and uh, and and then I, you know, I did the seedlings just like seed packets. I'd never done that before, Robbie. So it was a lot of fun. It's a good experience, but they were African daisies. The African daisies I, I thought were really good, and sunflowers. I think of the ones because I ended up with the seedlings that didn't that, that I had that were extras. So I had some some other stuff that I didn't like, but the African the African daisies and the sunflowers turned out turned out to be the best because they grew the best. So if I do this again, those are probably the two that I would. They, I would they do stuff just put them in a plastic easy. bag with some dirt in them, or how were they? Or are they planted, or how were they? Yeah, they were. I I, I seeded them on my deck, and then um, like the the couple days before the girlfriend gala, I went to the dollar store and I got um, um, planters. You know, they came like ten for a dollar, and then I put dirt and I put the little seedlings, and then I got that you know that sparkly paper that you get the aluminum paper that you get like like that they wrap Uh Mother's Day gifts into, and so I just put a little bit around that, a little bit of those. And then what I used was a, um, uh, a cut popsicle stick. So I had um, the, women, the women who came to the Girlfriend Gala write their goal or desire or what they wanted on the popsicle stick, and then and everybody got one, and then they put the popsicle stick into their planner. So they were like little seedlings. The seedlings at the, on the day of the Girlfriend Gala were only about maybe two inches, three inches tall. So they they really were seedlings. So it was exciting I, I over love the that summer. Idea. Yeah, it was. You know, and even and Home Depot was so good to us, and they loved that idea too. <laughs> so it was kind of a neat thing. They they were very kind last year and this year to uh, give us seed packets and things that we needed. Well, that's good. What do you think yeah. the common the most common mistake that women make that impedes victory? You know what? Is, here's what I think that this probably does not apply to you, Robbie, because I think you have a never-ending source of energy. But I think that women give away their emotional energy. They run out of emotional energy. Let me say it that way. Um, because I think that what happens is we get so used to helping everybody else, doing for everybody else. And, you know, this, you know, the kids need something, the parents need something, the spouse needs something. And and so all that emotional energy that we keep inside of ourselves, we then spread it out. So 
some people call it giving away your power, but I see that your power a lot of times is being your emotional energy. So that so you're helping you're helping everybody else and you're helping helping. And then when you're going after your own goals and you hit an obstacle, you're out of emotional energy. You might know how to physically take care of a particular obstacle. You know, you might need to make a phone call or you might need to a phone call that's not easy to make or you you might need to go to a different location or something and not that you couldn't do it but you're emotionally spent so you you don't have what it takes to move yourself forward so i you know i think that's like the biggest mistake that we keep that we run out of you know we run out of emotional energy and we don't really have to do that you know yeah, that's I, I don't true. think yeah i think that we under I, I, you know what it is we underestimate the amount of emotional energy we need to succeed because we're so used to having tons of energy for everybody else that that when um that when it comes to ourselves we just figure it's going to be there and it isn't that's true you're so right so what would be the best advice you can give to women who are starting over in middle in their midlife well I I would I would tell them first in regards to this whole idea of emotional energy to find a way to keep filling themselves up and whether that's meditation or yoga or crafts there's a, there's a woman I know who does uh she calls them legacy scrapbooks and she and she does well she's a scrapbooker so she makes cards and she sells them to the stores and that and that fills her up. Whatever it is that that fills you up, is is travel something to to get to do that. So keep yourself emotionally filled up. Um, but the other thing is, make up your mind that you're going to win, and don't let anybody talk you out of it. Uh, one of the women I talk about in Victorious Woman was Annie, and she wanted to open up a bridal salon. She used to make bridal gowns. She wanted to open up a bridal salon. And, uh, you know, her her spouse wouldn't even talk to her about it. He, the, the, all he wanted was for her to be home when he got home and his dinner ready and for her to sit and watch TV with him. And her kids were like, geez, Mom, they're all grown. Geez, Mom, you worked so hard in all your life. You know, now's your time to relax and enjoy yourself. And they never got that opening up this bridal salon, even if it failed, would have been awesome for her. And then her friends just told her she was going through a midlife crisis. Well, how I met her was uh, that her daughter knew my spouse and knew I did Reiki, and her mother was diagnosed with cancer. And she asked me if I would go and give her Reiki. And her idea was I would give give the mother Reiki, and her mother would change her mind. She decided not to take any treatment. And uh, her mother would change her mind, start taking treatment, and then, you know, be better. Well, I went. I saw her every Saturday for three or four months, and in that whole time, Robbie, she talked about what she would do if she lived. You know, and and in the end, um, she decided that since nobody thought she could do it, and everybody kind of made fun of her, it was just easier for her to leave. Oh wow! So, yeah, and she was sixty-two when she died. Oh my goodness! And I went. To, very... I went to the. Yeah, she. I mean, she it was really. It was so sad, and I went to the funeral, and I stood in the back of church, and I had to leave because it was packed. Everybody loved her, and I thought, 
these are the people for whom she wouldn't change. These are the people right. who loved her to death. Right. And so I think that's it. If you have a decide, you know, it's good to take risk. You don't want to do, you know, you don't want to take a risk that will make it. You know, you want to have it make a, a, a calculated risk, a good risk. And there's then there's you know there's two different kinds, and you want to take a good risk. And once you've decided, and once you make that deci- that that move it forward, don't let anybody talk you out of it. And I think that's the thing. If you you know if you want to go hiking in Acadia National Park and nobody goes with you, find a, a hiking club and go. So I think that's the thing. Don't let anybody talk you out of your win. Excuse me. How can how can listeners get involved with this Victorious Women Project, which is a fabulous project? And also, are you doing your um, event, this, the Girlfriend Gala, where you would need people to donate to that this year? Yeah, we always would need people to donate. That's yeah, because we've got ninety seconds left. So, okay, well, they can get in touch with. We'd get, they can find me at annemariekelly.com. dot com. They can find the Victorious Woman Project at victoriouswoman.com and they and through that they can they can I I'm very active on my blog there's a page where you can get involved with the project itself I offer workshops and webinars and so wherever you are in the world you can join me for a webinar and for the girlfriend gala I start collecting those things anytime um they can just send me an email and I'll tell them how they can donate to the girlfriend gala well, I can't believe the time. Half an hour goes by very fast. It's always it does, a, Robbie. Uh, so much great information, and I I love your Victorious Woman book. It was fabulous. I have it, and I've shared it with many people. And I also Thank love you. the the event that you do where you choose a Victorious Woman every month. That is absolutely fabulous. So thank you so much, Emery, to be on my show. And have you got a new book coming out soon, or one in your head? I do. I have. I, I <clears throat> excuse me. I have a new book, and it's called The Five Year Marriage. It should be out next year. I thought it was going to be out this year, but it'll be out next year. And it's and it's based on my own marriage. When I when Joseph and I, my spouse Joseph and I, got engaged. Um, I, the only way I would do it is if we could do it in five-year increments. So I said, look, I'll marry in five for five years. If we still like each other, we'll get married again. And All right. So, well, we have to end. And when you get close to the book, call me, and I'll book you on the show next year, and we'll talk about the new book, okay? That's great, Robbie. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Mm-hmm.